1: And what's up, what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. A Tuesday episode of the show, a National Signing Day, early signing period, preview episode of the show. This is GC Live brought to you by Affordable Medical Equipment. You can check them out at affordablemedicalusa.com, 803-926-1493. They are, of course, home of the game day chair, which would make a great Christmas present for you or your significant other. And um, even if you buy it for your significant other, they'll probably let you sit in it sometimes as well. So uh, get get the game day chair for Christmas. Promise you will not be disappointed. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Getting ready for National Signing Day tomorrow. It has snuck right up on us. We, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. But today will sort of be our official... <laughs> yeah so sorry yeah yeah the the chat um the chat gets me so uh phil phil on youtube golly you know i i think our show i mean i'm biased i think our show as far as being interactive and being a chat um as we're talking is is great for this platform I sometimes wonder what the people who listen on the podcast are are thinking as they watch because they you know they're not seeing the interactions and stuff. But uh Phil after Chris told us yesterday that he eats he eats lunch at 11. Uh Phil says we better hurry up or it's about to be Chris's dinner time.
0: course, man, it's a, I'm probably I'm in my pajamas right now. So after the show I'll go ahead and retire to my quarters for the night.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that got me for some reason. So, no, nah, I appreciate y'all. appreciate everybody watching, listening, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or after the fact on the podcast or live uh, directly on the homepage there at Gamecock Central. We're sort of going to go into what to expect from signing day on Wednesday, maybe talk a little bit about some of the guys who are signing with South Carolina and any news that, that has sort of come about since yesterday. Um, I would say first and foremost, man, one of the worst kept secrets sort of finally came out. Um, I think that was yesterday. Everything has sort of run together at this point. But uh, Shiloh Sanders announcing – well, I guess he didn't actually announce anything yet that I've seen, but uh, it did. Once you hit the portal, the news gets out very, very quickly. And Shiloh Sanders, South Carolina safety, uh, who was a redshirt freshman this season, announces his transfer – from South Carolina, at least as far as the portal goes, is officially put in the portal. And um, the expectation is that he will end up at Jackson State with his dad, Deion Sanders. And, again, something, Chris, that really was not uh, unexpected at all.
0: Yeah, something that we were tracking. We did get – I guess it's okay to say this now, Wes. We can confirm this was the player you'd written about. You referenced. People were guessing on that one. And uh, I I got it in my ass Chris. Chris thread on the Insiders Forum this morning, you know, was that the player? Can you tell us now? So yes, it was. Um, we're not going to tell you all the pre-written stories that we have in our shadowy, mysterious <laughs> portal of our own that we have that we shoot stories out from, uh, but shallow was one. And so, yeah, not, not a big surprise. We We had heard this, you know, right after the Kentucky game, or maybe the day after I can't remember exactly when it was, but in the hours after the Kentucky game, it sounded like this was a possibility and, um, you know, with the coaching change, with his father taking a coaching job again, not not done. You know that he's ending up there, but that is most people's expectation with Shiloh Sanders.
1: Yeah, and even um, even in the hours before the Kentucky game, I would say uh, that that week before it it was it yeah. sort of been a foregone conclu- conclusion. Um, you know that, and obviously they 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 knew who we were talking about because when everybody started asking Shiloh, is it Shiloh, is it Shiloh? Um, We didn't respond to to any of those chats or those comments about that. But, uh, you know, I I think we've talked about this, man. You know, I I think Shiloh could have been a, uh, you know, could have been a solid player for South Carolina. There were flashes this year. You'll remember we talked this offseason, or or as the season began, I think we sort of said, hey, we we didn't talk about Shiloh Sanders enough this offseason because he ended up, actually playing quite a bit this year especially as south carolina's secondary you know ended up getting banged up you had the opt-outs and he was on the field but you know that there there's some upside there there was also room to you know to get better obviously as well and um just i think if you look at at south carolina's team we knew there were going to be some guys who move on we knew that um I think, as we saw with the opt-outs, maybe it was a little bit proportionally skewed, I think, towards DBs a little bit just because Muschamp was so highly involved with DBs and the fact that that Muschamp is obviously gone. I I think uh, when you look at transfers and opt-outs, there's a reason that it was skewed towards that position.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, it's going to be, like you said, Wes, various reasons for guys to leave. And even when you don't have a coaching change, you know, it's not atypical to see attrition for maybe just a guy just wanting to play more, a guy wanting to get closer to home or needing a change of scenery. And so, you know, for Shiloh, um, it was like you said earlier, man, even before the Kentucky game, the lead up there, you know, the, the rumblings had started about him maybe being out. And it seemed to coincide with the fact that not only is South Carolina undergoing a coaching change, but you also have his father taking a job somewhere else, which is, you know, most people's expectation in this situation that he'll ultimately follow him there. So um, it it won't be the last that there will be more transfers unless something crazy happens. It's sort of unforeseen. You know, the expectations there will be some some more for various reasons. But that's sort of one of the dominoes that fell. Obviously, Micaiah Scott, you know, entering the portal. And the original thought was that he would, uh, you know, enter the portal and sort of see what was out there. But the potential was there for him to come back. But uh, quickly found a home at Georgia Tech. They sort of swooped in and, and were able to get them. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. That's a common question we've had. How many guys are they going to lose? Who's it going to be? We don't know yet. You know, a lot of these guys you got to keep in mind, still potential for a bowl. There's still coaching changes to shake out. And so we'll just have to see. Obviously, for South Carolina, it's important that they keep sort of a core group of guys, which right now you know, they seem to be doing okay with at least this present time, but that's something we got to continue tracking, you know, over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. Uh, somebody else at Georgia Tech landed uh, Keon white, Chris, someone that we were tracking pretty heavily as someone to keep an eye on for South Carolina and the transfer portal. Um, someone that had, had really done a great job at, at old dominion and had, had some major power five offers. South Carolina was going after him as, as a grad transfer. And uh, is someone that, um, I think they would love to have and, and Georgia Tech has has done a pretty good job so far of um, you know maybe getting some guys in that, that can maybe help them in the in the portal.
0: You know going a little bit bigger picture, more broad with that point is you know you mentioned Georgia Tech. And so you look at where South Carolina is as a program right now, obviously on the field and recruiting. Um, not the 2020 class, it was a really good class, but this 2021 class, even if the staff was intact, was, you know, a backslide from that, right? Um, The 2020 class was almost miraculous because they signed two five-stars and a bunch of other really good players after going four and eight. You know, got a bunch of guys in early, were able to hold on. A lot of those are going to be really good players, I think, at South Carolina. But 21, and even when you look ahead to 22 with some in-state guys, some key out-of-state targets, right now it's a it's a tougher go. And so Shane Beamer's walking into a situation at South Carolina with with all that on his plate already, but then you look around and it's it's tough because you've got Georgia and Florida, you know Florida's improved a lot lately. Georgia's always going to recruit well. You've got Clemson, who's a power in the upstate, your your biggest rival. There's not a ton of recruiting carry over there, but there can be some now you've got schools like North Carolina in the state of North Carolina, which a few years ago, it wasn't as much of a factor that you had to worry about them. Now you do. You had to worry about them in 2019 in, in the 2020 class and in this class and going forward. Um, and then you have to worry about Georgia tech. Now it used to be in Georgia. It was, you worry about UGA, you worry about Clemson, you worry about Auburn, you worry about Florida, a bunch of the other Southeast schools, but now you got to, deal with Georgia Tech too, because they've done a good job under Jeff Collins of branding of, uh, you know, doing a really good job in the recruiting department of, of getting out and digging in on some more guys. And they've done a better job of becoming a factor on some of those guys. And maybe, whereas in the past, if there's a guy that fell below Georgia's board or mm-hmm. fell below a couple other guys' boards, or even if you could go head to head with those, now you just have another contender in the state. That's not to say Georgia Tech's a power or on those other schools level but it's just one more that you have to contend with and deal with, and so that makes it even tougher.
1: Yep, so, yep, so let's, uh, let's uh, get, into get into everything, everything for tomorrow, tomorrow, Chris. And I, I think um, maybe the, o- the only thing newsworthy between yesterday and today would be the fact that Omega Blake, and, and we're going to go into some guys who are signing on Wednesday versus some guys who are maybe waiting, and the uncommitted kids maybe you need to have an eye on. But the, the biggest news, I guess, would be that Omega Omega Blake went from being a February signee to now planning to sign tomorrow. He tweeted that out um, on Twitter last night that he'll be signing at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, I, I guess not that completely surprising, even though it is a, a change. And I had sort of wondered, man, would there be a couple of these kids that were either encouraged or even just as they sort of sat down and thought about it, would – um. You know, w- would they maybe just decide to go ahead and, and sign and, and get it over with? Now, from, uh, from what I've heard, I I was checking on the fact that TJ Sanders maybe could be doing the same. I actually talked to TJ uh, a few hours ago. He said he is still planning on February. So um, TJ Sanders will be a February guy. Um, last we heard and checked, John Darius Morgan will be a February guy. Omega Blake goes from a February guy to being a December guy. He didn't explicitly say I will be signing with South Carolina tomorrow but I I think that is a safe assumption for South Carolina
0: yeah I think that's sort of understood How, there are definitely some schools that have continued um you know throughout the season uh, communicating with Omega Blake but there's really nothing there that we've heard that would indicate a change and um, you know the other the other few guys will you know shake out between now and February but yeah it's going to be a smaller group Stephen Witherspoon ask on Twitter uh, on Twitter on YouTube about the final number of scholarships so we can sort of hit on that in the same question if you'd like and basically you know they're gonna have what does that make it west seven guys I believe it would be signed tomorrow right um from this current 2021 commitment list and then you'll have you know there'll be another is that number wrong be seven or eight seven or eight and then you've got some a few other guys that are possibilities from the uncommitted ranks that we'll get into later that will sign. So one thing that you've got to consider to answer your question, Stephen, is um, you take that number of whoever signs from the committed group. And maybe if they get another uncommitted guy or two or so tomorrow, then you add four to it, you know, because of uh, guys that South Carolina brought into the program as transfers, you counted to this class. And then there's some spots held over from February. but they're going to hold some spots for transfers too, whether it's a grad transfer, whether it's a uh, you know a guy out of the transfer portal. And that number is not known. There's not a specific. South Carolina is definitely taking five grad transfers or five transfers. We don't really know that yet. It's sort of just dependent, but they are going to keep some flexibility with numbers. They're not going to over-leverage their spots and just fill up in the early signing period with just guys who maybe want to come. They want to try to make sure that they get some guys that can help in this class, whether it's high school, junior college, or the transfer ranks.
1: There you see the commitment list right there. And, you know, I I think, Chris, really, if, if you're South Carolina, it there, there's going to be some people who maybe, especially if they haven't really followed recruiting incredibly close, and you can see the commitment list right there, that are maybe going to be a little bit upset on – you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when they see the numbers, when they see South Carolina. I mean, I mean, at this point, it, it is what it is. It, South Carolina has the ninetieth ranked class in in the country, and right now they have ten total commitments. So when you look at that, there will be some people that are upset. But if you're South Carolina, it, it does you no good. To take guys, just to take guys. Um, in sure. other words, if I, I made this point on another radio show, man, if South Carolina wanted to sign twenty-four or twenty-one kids tomorrow, and then add it to the four to make a twenty a class of twenty-five, and just just sort of arbitrarily be able to say we're we've signed a full class. They absolutely could do that from a quantity standpoint, but they are making a conscious decision right now to not take kids just to take them and a conscious decision to leave themselves flexibility moving forward. And I, I think that's absolutely the, the right idea and the right approach because as weird as it is to say, you're, you're making a, you're making sort of a, a longer term decision, but that long term decision for now is really just a wait a few months decision, basically, or wait till the summer decision, because that is the path to being able to a potentially land a late bloomer or somebody who just has a lot of times it seems like it's kids that there's been coaching changes, maybe at the school that they were they were going to go to, you know and they sort of reset their recruitment. You can get in with some high school kids that have reset their recruitment. But also the the path, uh, you know, to, to the transfer portal and, and having some guys who can maybe come in and make an impact, namely at that receiver position we've been talking about for the last year. I feel like um that that that's the path to uh, to being able to do that. I don't know if you would be able to get those impacts if you just said, "Oh, we're just going to sign we're going to sign a full class on on Wednesday."
0: Yeah, and you know, you can look at it a couple different ways. So, if you take a class that's too small, let's say you sign ten guys in your class, and on top of that, it's not a very good class—like there's no difference makers in it, or maybe only one or two difference makers. When you look at the future, you're going to look back at that and say, "Oh, that class that really stung." You know, that that's maybe a reason that there's a lot of holes. On the other, you know, the flip side of that is you think, "Well, take more guys." Okay, well. The position that you're in right now, what are the types of guys that you can go sign in these circumstances, right? Late, you know, um, even when you look at February, you're in the midst of a pandemic. So it's not like you can take the, you know, hey, we'll get these guys in for 48-hour official visits face-to-face with the coaches. That'll sell them. You can't do that until April because of the dead period. And so that gets you past the February signing day. And then you have to consider what's available, how dug in some other schools are on some of these guys, guys that are already committed to other schools, guys that are going to sign in December. And so you also don't want to look at it and say, well, take a class of 20 guys from the high school and JUCO ranks just to take them and fill out the roster. And then if you're doing that, you're also going to look back in three or four years and say, well, they took a bunch of guys in that class that didn't really help. Whereas in this class, Given the circumstances, it's not ideal, right? But given the circumstances, what's the best way to play it? Try to keep as many good players as you can from the current class, guys that you think could possibly help, and then go out and be resourceful. Find transfers, a grad transfer, um, find guys uh, from the junior college ranks that can come in and help. And then you have to balance that out for a time with some high school guys that can develop either as, you know, come in and play as freshmen or develop more long term.
1: Let's maybe dive into a few kids here, Chris, um, since we are previewing signing day and um, maybe some guys to watch. We'll, we'll start with Omega Blake just because he is, like I said, the the kid that actually has a little bit of news around his name in the last day or so uh, announcing again that he's going to go ahead and sign on, uh, on Wednesday. I, I think for one, ne- never a bad thing, Chris, for South Ghana to, to get back in as far as that Rock Hill South point pipeline. And, you know, you, you have obviously Devontae Holloman there as a head coach. You have um, sort of a, a situation there where, um, you know, you you always, for me, you look back traditionally the places that South Carolina has gone into um, and been able to go out and and sign players that make an impact and, and can help the Gamecocks. And – South Point has traditionally been one of those spots. So I think Omega Blake is, is a good football player. I think he can help you, maybe uh, potentially at receiver or safety. But if you sort of, to me, there's there's even a, a greater big picture value here to getting back into that guy out of there. And then, you know, looking at Omega, there, there's obviously, I'll steal your phrase, there's a lot to like here about Omega as a player and a playmaker and, and somebody who's done. Various things for South Point. Has played some quarterback. Has played some receiver. You see him here more of like almost in a a sort of getting the ball in the backfield type role. And was someone that that obviously South Carolina um, identified and and wanted in this class.
0: Yeah, and a, a guy with some versatility. You know, he's played quarterback. He's played receiver. He's played defensive back. You know, at South Point. And so, I mean, I've been on the record with this Wes. I really like the idea of Omega Blake as a safety long-term. I just sort of like that because of his skill set and his length. But he's a guy that, at least under the old staff, we'll have to see what the new one thinks, has been eyed as a receiver. And you would think, Wes, look, well, look, I was going to say, you know, you'd think with the need, he draws his first look at receiver, but they need a lot of help at safety too. So he can do either. He's not going to absolutely blow you away with the straight line speed, but he's a guy that will bring some athleticism. Um, He's got good ball skills. He catches the ball well. He's got a little bit of open field ability. You know, he's, he's a solid wide receiver prospect. I don't think he's going to just wow you on tape with just absolutely running pass by guys or just straight line speed or, you know, that sort of phone booth like electric juke ability. He may not bring all that to the table, but he's a guy that's been really productive in high school. Um, it looks like he really likes playing ball. And I think he's someone that can help. And he's probably going to get every opportunity given the circumstances next year.
1: Yep, so uh, those of you who are watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter can, of course, see it. If you are um, not watching, you're just on the podcast side of things, you can always go to GamecockCentral.com and and watch this video after the fact. So, um, Chris, let's dive in before we – we'll go back and forth before we dive into another committed player. Let's talk about some of the uncommitted guys and maybe people that South Carolina fans need to keep an eye on And I'll sort of start with the one I think they're. I think it's safe to say they're in the best shape with right now, and that would be Isaiah Norris, someone we talked about a little bit yesterday. Somebody that we uh, we played the film of of Isaiah at least as far as his fall practice goes there at GMC, but a a South Carolina kid, someone that has built up a little bit more buzz here the last uh, week or so. South Carolina officially offered him. Tennessee offered him, and. Now the Gamecocks trying to sort of solidify themselves in a spot to add another GMC kid. They, of course, already have Marcellus Dial committed for this class.
0: Yeah, Isaiah is a really interesting prospect. You know, talking to some people at Georgia Military over there that have coached him, they really like what he brought to the table. Now, keeping in mind, this is just based on practice and what they saw from New Mexico Military, his previous junior college, where he was in his first year out of high school. T.L. Hannah guy uh, did a really good job. Uh, There, he drew some rave reviews for his work against Dutch Fork when they played uh, a couple years back against Dutch Fork in the state title game. Looked like one of the better players on the field, from what I was told, in that game. And then had a really good year at New Mexico military, put together some good film, and then even his spring practice stuff, or his practice stuff preseason. Obviously, junior college got moved to the spring, wasn't able to play with Georgia military as a result, but does have some practice film from earlier in this year. And they really like what he brings to the table. You know, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's probably, what, 5'11", 170, could put on some more weight. But he's got a lot of athleticism to him. He's got some twitch. He can turn and run. And he showed really good ball skills uh, in high school and in junior college so far. And a guy that, you know, right now South Carolina looks to have a really, really good shot of adding tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and I think, Chris, let's let's go back a little more big picture as far as needs, man. Um that's one of those spots we we talked about losing um, losing kids. I think as far as the um, you know the secondary goes and overall numbers at the secondary, uh, Gus Nicholas says that a certain other site has him as a hard commit to Middle Tennessee State. He is committed to Middle Tennessee State. I would not necessarily characterize that as a hard commitment right now. Other schools obviously working to flip him. South Carolina appears to be in good shape to do that right now and jeffrey hicklin we appreciate the super chat jeffrey throwing uh throwing down the 2 dollars appreciate that jeffrey he said who is the best player that is a flip opportunity i mean chris there it, it's it's not the exciting answer it's not what fans are sort of loving to hear right now but there's not really another guy as far as for tomorrow That I would circle and say there's a great shot of that. Is there always a chance you get a somebody else was asking earlier about what's the biggest surprise for tomorrow? Is there always a chance that somebody just pops up and completely surprises us? Uh, Gilbert Edmond was a complete surprise last year. Yep. I I'd be I'll put it like this. I'd be surprised if there's a surprise, uh, but you just you never you never know. Um, There I can safely say. To go back to like the Shallow Sanders thing, there, there's nobody at this current time, two twenty eight Tuesday afternoon. There's nobody that we have a pre written story for um, that you'd say I've never heard of South Carolina even being involved with that guy. You know, a complete shock. Yeah. As far as best chance to flip somebody, it'd have to be right there with the same person we're talking about with Isaiah Norris, technically a Middle Tennessee State commitment right now. Um, that's I don't really think that's a very solid commitment um, at this time. So, uh, but he is a, a middle Tennessee state commitment technically and would, would fit that bill for, for your question as far as he would be the, the guy South Carolina could flip. We had some questions earlier and, you know, when, when Beamer first took over, we had some questions like, um, you know, would, would a JJ Jones, a Terry on Ingram Dawkins, a justice Boone, would any of those guys be possible flips? And it, I just don't don't get your hopes up on that stuff, I think, is the, the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, yeah. got a, And we've got a pretty, you know, fairly comprehensive report on the site this morning that lays out, you know, a lot of this stuff in some cases in a little bit more detail. But, yeah, I, I don't think right now, you know, you look at some of the in-state flip candidates. There's just really, in a lot of cases, not enough time, Wes. You know, not enough time or some of these guys, you know, on Ingram Dawkins was a guy that Even after he committed to Georgia, you got the sense it was never over, and it wasn't. Um, But it just, the path that it's gone down, it appears that he's going to stick from what we've heard, Justice Boone. You know, J.J. Jones, there hasn't been much cooking there um, anyway in terms of him and South Carolina. So right now, I mean, that's a common question. We get that every signing day. No matter the circumstance, are there any surprises? And that's part of what makes it a surprise, but there's there's nothing imminent that we've heard you know, in terms of something that's expected to come down, or even even any whispers of, hey, watch out for maybe this or that. We really haven't gotten any of that yet.
1: Chris, uh, while we're thinking about it, do you want to uh, tell everybody a little bit about the game day chair and maybe how they can enjoy the game day chair with some dead soxy socks?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The game day chair from affordablemedicalusa.com. Um, not a medical chair, not a lift chair. It is just a game day chair or a super comfortable recliner. Check it out. Variety of Positions, um, lounge position, TV watching position, zero gravity lay flat. It is the uh, twilight maxi comfort or the cloud maxi comfort cloud with twilight technology from affordable medical Go there and search for it or give them a call at 803-926-1493. We appreciate their support of the show. Make sure you check them out, too. And spoke with those guys this week. A lot of folks have said, hey. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to order it for Christmas. Make sure you do it because if you don't, they may be running very low on inventory from what I've heard. So they're getting some in this week. They may be gone flying off the proverbial shelf quite soon. So make sure you check it out. And while you're enjoying the game day chair, make sure that you're doing so in your dead socks. If you're on GamecockCentral.com and click on our show link or YouTube, if you're on our pod page, Make sure you click the Dead Soxy link, $10 to spend in your cart if you do that using our referral link. And you can use the code HOLIDAYPRO to get 35% off your entire order. That's deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Super comfortable, no slip socks, boardroom, dress shoe variety, or something more casual. Check it out. Get yourself a Christmas gift and for your loved ones.
1: Yep. Like I said, buy yourself a gift. I uh, I buy myself a Christmas gift every single year. So um, it is is an excellent way to treat yourself. Chris, let's move on to another – actually, let's do another uncommitted guy because this is one of my favorite prospects that I've run across. Um, Has an offer from South Carolina. This is Quaymon Davis, wide receiver, uh, another JUCO kid. Um, He's out in Mississippi right now, Fulton, Mississippi. And someone, man, that I I turn on the tape and he appeared and and we don't know where he's headed. We don't even know when he's going to make an announcement, make his commitment. It's been actually very difficult to get information on what's going on with him. Um, South Carolina involved, obviously. Florida State has offered. Um, I don't know if anybody else has gotten involved in recent Hours or last day or so, but Chris, I it seems like the information has been hard to come by. But what has not been hard to come by is the fact that this kid is really, really good. Could be exactly what South Carolina needs. And I'm gonna pull up the film here in a second. But there is a very distinct um, Debo Samuel s quality here, I think, in what he could potentially bring to a South Carolina offense when you look at how thick he is and what he does after the catch um, in that he, he is a running back playing receiver, essentially.
0: Yeah, that's what really stood out to me on the film is it's sort of that term, you know, the man among boys type of thing, you know, sort of came to my mind in watching Quay Davis on film. Um, he's obviously, he's a guy that, like you said, Wes, his build is a little bit, you know, sort of like a running back and whether he's inside, outside, He's a guy that gets the ball in his hands. He's got really good vision and really good toughness. You know, he just looks like a grown man out there running against these guys. So, uh, good route runner, really good in the open field. And like you said, man, a guy that's probably, you know, what the doctor ordered for South Carolina. They need guys that can step in, catch balls, make some plays in the open field, and he seems to really fit the bill there.
1: And, um, man, I I think the the interesting thing here as well is he – so I was talking to – one of his old coaches, and he, he played running back primarily in high school. So that that's why he has that sort of um, running back, playing receiver type um, ability, that skill set, is he's been comfortable running the football for his entire life, uh, essentially. So um, don't know where he's going to end up, but is someone that can help South Carolina both um, at receiver, but you could use him in the jet sweep game, you can use him in the return game. That same coach told me that he was the best return guy he's ever coached in uh, in 10 years of, of coaching ball. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what other players the, the coach had, but just for him to, to say that obviously means something and continues this trend we're talking about where South Carolina is going to go after linebackers, wide receivers, secondary, and pass rush, I think, as being the primary targets here for for South Carolina moving forward, we'll certainly be tracking this. I'm I'm trying hope hopefully by the time if you're listening to this later and you're not uh, watching it live right now, hopefully by the time you're listening to this and um, watching it later on, we'll have a little bit more information on Gamecock Central about when he may have a decision and where he may be leaning. Because again, right now I, I don't, Chris, I don't even have a guess right now. I don't really have a great feel for it.
0: No, it has been difficult. You know, he's he's not a huge talker. You know, we did chat with him. I think that was last week, Wes. Hard to keep track of the days with how busy it is right now. But, you know, we did speak with him in the last several days, I would say, last week or so. And it was tough to get a read even then. You know, obviously, Florida State had recently offered. South Carolina jumped in. And what we do know is he has been planning, you know, to announce something or otherwise sign this week. And he is an early enrollee. Um, So the clock is sort of ticking on that, but we just haven't heard, you know, anything new on that quite yet. So we'll keep working it and uh, we'll see what comes out sometime between now and tomorrow, or even if it takes past
1: tomorrow. Yeah. Craig asking is uh, Keon Coleman still in the picture. He is going to actually be a February guy as far as signing and during that signing period. So, so yeah, South Carolina will try to make a run there. I'm sure we'll see if they can, you know, be in the final mix there with, with him or not, but, Coleman certainly someone that they would love to have and love to be a part of the program. Um, we'll just see if they can can do that under Shane Beamer's direction. And I I think, man, not that we have any new names to give people as far as coaching staff, but but that's going to be important moving forward. Once South Carolina puts this staff together, and once we see maybe what connections the new coaches have had at other places. Is there a prior relationship? Is there somebody that they've been recruiting at their previous stop that didn't sign early on? To me, that will be the first direction as far as what high school guys or even JUCO guys maybe end up taking up some of these February spots will be as soon as we know who those coaches are, there will be some guys that that basically uh, pop up that maybe weren't necessarily on South Carolina's radar or maybe is interested in South Carolina, but are all of a sudden on the radar because of the connections to the staff once that's made official.
0: Yeah, and you see that a lot. You know, we 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 know that Beamer's taken his time. It's been said publicly. It's been, you know, said in some things that we've heard privately among some of the folks that we talked to. We know that he has taken his time. There's some coaches that are on his list, or maybe even some guys that he's fully planning on hiring and maybe that are fully planning on coming to South Carolina you know, that are still engaged with their current teams, whether it's coming up this weekend in a game, whether it's with signing day stuff, just the reality of the situation is some of this stuff's going to shake out after those key dates, a couple of, you know, hinge points there, signing day tomorrow, once the early signing period's over, then you look at Saturday, some teams that are still playing, and we should know more after that. And we see that all the time, head coaches, assistant coaches that get into new roles. There are guys that, like you said, Wes, are going to have relationships from there, that are pre-existing, and they may carry over. And if there's any guys out there that are are planning on waiting until February, uh, that can end up paying dividends. Yep.
1: Yeah, so we'll see, of course, uh, where that what direction that heads, and we'll have complete coverage of that on GamecockCentral.com. Which, by the way, if you are not a subscriber, you can use the code GCNSD to get premium access, a free trial from now until January 29th, twenty twenty one. Again, code GC. NSD, if you're already ready to get on, though, you can actually use the code Gamecocks and get 50% off your first year on GamecocksCentral.com. We'll have complete coverage, of course, for signing day tomorrow. But beyond that, coaching staff, once we actually know who the o- OC and DC are, we're going to have breakdowns, I'm sure, on what to expect from, from these coaches, both from a schematic standpoint and from an on-the-field uh, development standpoint, from a, a recruiting standpoint, all those different things. Uh, we pride ourselves on Gamecock Central being a little bit more in depth than what you're going to see just out there that you can find for free or on Twitter or or, or stuff like that. So let's uh, let's keep breaking this thing down, Chris. I I don't know that we're going to go through the entire commitment list, but we'll at least hit on a few kids that I think are worth talking about. Um, as far as maybe being in a little bit better shape to sort of be the, uh, I would say gems of this class. Not not that not that you want to say the other guys couldn't be or could can't develop once they get on campus and stuff like that. But just uh, I think a few guys that will single out a little bit and that for me would have to start with Colton Gothier, South Carolina, at least as far as rivals goes, their highest rated commitment. And another guy, I think you're, you're seeing a trend here with South Carolina. They've been able to, to land highly rated quarterbacks um, every year for the last few years, which is what you have to do with that position and a kid that, that much like, you know, I, I look at a, at a Luke Doty last year, Chris, and the fact that you had, you had a coaching change last season. It was, um, you know, basically the, the OC and the quarterback's coach and the guy that was directly involved with Luke Doty. And, and Luke Doty never once thought about leaving the South Carolina commitment class. So, Gothier with a, a head coaching change has really done a good job, I think, of being a leader of this class, of staying committed, of trying to keep other kids committed, and those are the intangibles that I think you look for in that position. Anyway, there's a reason why Gothier is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and those leadership qualities, I think, have sort of shone off the field combined with what you can see right here if you're watching, uh, he can do on the field.
0: Yeah, I think he's gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know, um, people obviously are talking about Gunnar Stockton a ton, Luke Doty, especially at the end of the year with him getting an opportunity. And Gothier is sort of sandwiched in between uh, in between them, you know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, the high school team, not his high school team unfortunately not as quality this year. Um, but as a guy that, you know, you watch his film and we've seen this guy throw in person, there are definitely some things – that are really intriguing about his game. You know, um, he's got size. Obviously, when, when you look at his size, he's legit. You know, six foot four, six foot five. He's up to about two hundred and ten pounds or so. He can move around a little bit. Is he? He's not Luke Doty, which not many people are in terms of his mobility. But he can move around some. He can he can escape. He can run some zone read stuff if you want him to. Um, and he's got a live arm. Like he can he can make throws. You know the throws with touch, he can zip it in there, and so uh, got got some intriguing qualities in terms of Colton Gothier, and he's a guy that is a is a quality prospect to to keep in this class at the quarterback position to continue adding competition to that room.
1: Yeah, man, I I like the ball the way the ball just jumps out of his hands. I mean, he uh, yeah, he, he's not at the biggest playing at the biggest uh, qualification of school, but as far as his particular ability you know, he, this guy could have played anywhere. He, uh, you know, the ball jumps off his hands. He actually, like you said, he's not Doty, but he can run it um, a, as I like to joke with him about. He actually runs it a little bit better than um, he's given credit for. There you see, he can throw the long ball. He can put zip on it when he needs to. And he's he's one of these kids, man, he, he's a worker. I, I know talking to Chad Simmons, who's known Colton for, for you know, even longer than we have. And just uh, this is a kid that, that works his tail off, but also has some some other just really cool, interesting hobbies. You know, as far as his his, I think everybody needs to get away, take a little bit of time to get away from the game and sort of have some other hobbies as well. And he's a uh, he's just a really talented mind. He uh, plays some guitar. Uh, he likes to fish. Likes to do some other things, but also puts in the work and, and is able to to do everything he needs to do as far as his his team goes and is actually. This past week, Chris was out in in California again, working out with um, Austin Carter Samuels, who is actually a name some people will remember, who was at Vanderbilt as a transfer quarterback a few years back, and then ended up as a coach at Missouri, now is doing his own thing. So this is a kid who has put in the work off the field to sort of, um, on, on top of what he's doing with his current team, but to develop as a player and as a quarterback and, I know is, is going to be really happy, Chris, to hopefully with South Carolina having the coaching change. You know, he talked to Beamer. He sort of has put his faith in Beamer and, and what they're going to do offensively. But I know one thing he'll be very happy about with a new staff and sort of starting over is the hope that he can just have one offensive coordinator to work with because I think I think he's had a different offensive coordinator the last three years, man. So that, that's always tough on a kid to to have that coordinator change every single year.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's definitely something that, uh you know, that is, has played a role there. But you know, he's a guy that's really progressed at the high school level. um You see, sort of his growth in terms of really just his size I means continued to add weight. He got a little taller, you know, heading into this season. And he's always had some really intriguing arm talent. We saw him throw one summer at at a camp at one of champs uh, summer camp sessions. And uh, I think I guess that was before he got the offer right, right West and. Uh, You know, it was a guy that was impressive when you're just sitting there watching him throw the football. So a lot of physical tools and a guy that you, you know, think can just continue to develop. But the arm talent is certainly there and a really interesting kid, like you said, you know, spending some time talking with him or his dad. You get sort of a sense of his personality. And, uh, you know, he's sort of a marketable sort of interesting kid. And so uh, really, really intrigued by Colton Gothier when he gets on campus, be interested to watch him and follow his career.
1: Yeah, and I think, like you said at the very beginning, man, is a little bit overlooked just because of the you know the Gunner Stocktons of the world, Luke Doty, he's already on campus, um, Ryan Holinsky, of course, on campus as well. But this guy has some skills too. And I saw a question earlier, basically, how, how many chairs are there in the quarterback room? Well, for well, for one, Jay, Jay Urich is moving on to the sort of. Um, within the program, but off the field, non-player type role this off season. So that's one guy that's out of that room. Um, You know, you can, you can never have too many quarterbacks, I think. And that, that, that's the way the big guys do it. I mean, you, you bring in, and Colton Gothier, he knows this, he, he understands this. He accepts, he accepts the responsibility of a quarterback competition. And I, I think he's ready and willing to try to fight it out to start. And, these quarterbacks these days just have to know, man, if you come in, if you're going into a place where there's not really competition at the quarterback position, that probably means you have not recruited very well. Um, because if, if you're going to win and play good offensive football, you have to bring in a talented quarterback every single year, or you're going to have injuries, or you're going to have a guy who doesn't pan out, or if you have two guys that don't pan out back to back, then you really find yourself in trouble.
0: Yeah, you do. I mean, you're going to have guys, said, transfer. I mean, if you sign a good quality quarterback every year, this has happened everywhere. I mean, I heard uh, Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports was on Dan Patrick earlier today, listening to 107.5 in the car, and he made an interesting point about Michigan's lack of developing a quarterback in Ohio State. Ohio State's churned out some guys, obviously in recent years under Urban Meyer. Now Ryan Day, and they got Justin Fields. You know, to talk about how how loaded Ohio State's been at quarterback, that they, you know, Joe Burrow basically felt compelled to leave Ohio State, and obviously he developed a little bit later, but he turned into the best player in the country, bar none. Um, but that's going to happen everywhere. I mean, if you sign, people get really excited about big name, big time quarterbacks with a lot of stars by their name with big offer lists, big arms and talent, running ability. Those things are very intriguing because it's the most important position out there, you know, but if you sign a good one every year, almost every year, naturally guys are going to want to play. There's only one ball. It's a unique position. You know, if you're a running back, you can deal with having another guy or two to compete with. If you're a receiver, you can have a few to compete with. Even linemen and you know rotational positions. Quarterback's not one. If you're on the bench, you're generally on the bench, right? And so, if someone wins a job and they're playing well, you start looking around and saying, if I want to play quarterback, it might need to be somewhere else. And it's more of a business decision, quote type of thing. So, um, yeah, you'll see that it's a good problem to have if you can continue to to stack quarterback talent. And South Carolina, like you said, Wes, they've signed. On paper, some really good ones. Have they all worked out for various reasons? No, whether it's been position changes or maybe they haven't been as good or whatever you want to chalk it up to. But they do have some that, on paper again, um, I think really have a chance to eventually be good players. And and that's certainly what they need to play out to show improvement on offense with a variety of other factors looped in there as well.
1: A couple of a couple other, other guys, guys we, we'll, we'll get into get in here. here. And I, I think, Chris, if you look um, – Sort of finishing out the uncommitted kids in our newsletter today, I I sort of um, profiled three of them that I I think were worth keeping an eye on for South Carolina fans. And I think uh, Byron Young, another junior college kid at GMC, defensive end slash pass rusher type, and has the offer list of, I mean, probably one of the better JUCO defensive line offer lists in the country, but someone that South Carolina had sort of, I would say, faded with a little bit when you look back at uh, with the coaching change and, and sort of some other schools, maybe we're in a better position than South Carolina. I sort of got the impression Auburn may have been in the best shape, but then Auburn, of course, fires Gus Malzahn. They don't know what their coaching staff will look like either. South Carolina under Shane Beamer, who's been in, uh, I was told, contact with with Byron quite a bit, trying to, to get South Carolina back towards the top of his list. And, this is a kid whose recruiting process really blew up pretty late. The offer list is extensive, so it's not just like there's some clear one school that's way better as far as football goes than the other, and it's kind of an easy, no-brainer type decision. And I, and I would say Chris, man, is, is sort of in that spot where you really kind of feel for the kids because he didn't, he wasn't really highly recruited out of high school, hasn't really gotten a chance to go through the recruiting process. And now he sits here with early signing period on Wednesday, and really hasn't been able to actually take your traditional visits like like a kid would hope to do, and has been introduced to the business side of the world with coaches being fired and let go, and now finds himself, I, I believe, uh, I believe, pretty torn with with some really good options, but not knowing which ones to pick leading into tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and you know our. Our gut feel, I think we probably agreed on this Wes, behind the scenes is while there is no like hard information on Byron Young going into tomorrow, the vibe the field, some of the signs seemed more auburn centric right because you know he's he's from Carver's baby ass family in Columbus, Georgia, very close to auburn um and just based on some social media activities, some things he said, he's even called Auburn in an interview with the rivals network, you know his favorite school, and so there are a lot of different things there that pointed towards Auburn and South Carolina got involved along the way. They've sort of seemed to, you know, make a move into a legitimate position where they've challenged for him. Uh, But now these things, there's some uncertainty. There's some uncertainty. Tennessee's been a school on his list. They're sort of a little bit up in the air right now. No no changes on staff, right? But you certainly look at it and it's a little bit of a tenuous situation. So um, that's another one. I mean, it's a, he's graduated um he's a guy that's ready to enroll in January but what is he going to do and and he could quite frankly take more time if he wants it so that's another one that we're going to be tracking until tomorrow and hey maybe beyond just depending on how things go
1: yeah I, I got a feeling man we could be tracking him beyond tomorrow and i i think that that may be something we see pop up this year where where guys say hey i'm i'm not ready to commit i'm not ready to sign um there's nothing that says you have to sign anything you technically, even though you have this opportunity to sign an early enroll, we've seen early enroll you to just straight up enroll. You just, you sign your, you, you don't sign a, a letter of intent. You sign your financial documents and then boom, you're, you're there. We, we saw it. Um, who was it? South Carolina. Was it Riley Ridley that uh, Carolina was trying to Carolina landed the brief verbal commitment from and he ends up going to Georgia. I don't think he ever signed anywhere. He just showed up at Georgia. Um, you remember going through, following all that? I do. Yeah, that was an
0: interesting one. 2016 class, right? I think that was Muschamp's first class. pulled a pulled a, Georgia pulled a little bit of an okey doke there on on the Gamecocks.
1: Yeah, so so it can happen, and we'll, we'll certainly see what happens. A, a lot of these guys, so for logistical reasons, it would have to be sort of the early part of January um, talking to a, a few of the Carolina early enrollees. They've mentioned January 5th is like the re- quote report date for um, for them. I don't know the official day that that semester starts, but I don't know if you know it off the top of your head either, Chris, but it would be somewhere around that, that first week in January, second week in January that somebody would have almost have to be decided by if they were going to enroll early at South Carolina. And you would hope you know, maybe a little bit quicker than that to, to make sure you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's as far as the admissions process and, and getting all that stuff taken care of. But uh, Byron Byron Young certainly one to watch either tomorrow if he maybe pulls a little bit of a surprise and just goes ahead and, and does something, or if we continue to track him moving forward. And, and again, I, I get the impression. So, of these three, And Real Sports Video tells us that the semester starts January 11th. Appreciate that. Um, Of these three, I think we feel like South Carolina's in a good spot with Isaiah Norris. And then the other two guys, not only do we not really know who's necessarily in the best position, we don't even know when it's going to happen. So that will be something we'll be tracking maybe tomorrow. Well, certainly tomorrow, but maybe beyond tomorrow. one other commitment I do want to get into, Chris, before we get out of here, a guy that I've been high on for a long time, and if if you wanna if you wanna hit somebody else, we can. But my guy and the guy I think is one of South Carolina's most underrated players, somebody that Des Kitchings did an outstanding job with, and uh, that South Carolina I know is high on would be, and it's a great name, Caleb Juju McDowell, Chris. This is a guy that I, I think can maybe be a, a playmaker type for South Carolina.
0: Yeah, you look at, at Juju, and he can he can probably do a variety of things. You know, is he a 25-carry-a-game guy? No, but he's someone you can – obviously, he's a running back at the high school level, and he can play that position in college as well. But he may be a guy that can catch the football with you out of the backfield or if you want to put him in the slot. He can probably be a special teams guy for you, whether it's – Running down as a gunner, whether it's possibly as a return guy, but good open field ability. Not the tallest or the biggest, but when you look at how he's built, um, really powerful lower body. You know, he's he made some sort of social media waves for his ability to squat a bunch of weight. You know, I can't remember that. What was it, six hundred or so? West and now, that, yeah. that was probably a high school squat. So a little bit, you know, maybe. But he's put the video up of it, regardless of of sort of how he did it. It was, uh, it was pretty impressive. So powerfully built in the lower body, sort of runs bigger than his size would indicate, and also has, you know, some some craftiness, some shiftiness to him, too. So I agree with you. He's a guy that maybe should be talked about a little bit more.
1: Yeah, runs very hard, man. Can help him, I think, in the kickoff return game potentially, and actually has a – I was told at one of the SEC schools' camps, um, the – the summer it would have to have been not this past summer the summer before he ran like a four um, four as well so um has some documented strength some documented speed and is someone that uh, South Carolina's coaches just really really liked as being a playmaker type and makes you feel good I mean basically if if you look at their running back room moving forward that's one spot I think if you're taking over a program. You sort of start to categorize things. Where do we, where do where do I need a lot of help? If you're Shane Beamer, where are my holes at? Where are my spots that maybe there's a hole, but I can I can hang in there for a year maybe and I'm fine. And then where are my spots that I'm like, wow, I can build around this. And I look at running back with you know with Kevin Harris, with uh, Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell coming in, of course, with what Deshaun Fenwick did, um, you know, and some other guys you have there you probably feel like running back is a spot you can build around and and maybe does, uh, you know, Travis, um, who's a loyal poster and subscriber on Gamecock Central. Travis asked, um, could he maybe be a guy you see in the slot? I, Chris, I I don't know about you, man, but I, I think depending on the offense, depending on sort of how this offense ends up being structured, then yeah, I think that's something he could do. even, Even if it's not, maybe a full-time thing maybe maybe you move him around a little bit he certainly has some of that versatility that uh that could be a kid that could do multiple things for you
0: yeah yeah the versatility is definitely there and um, you see they it, even at Lee county here really good program um, with coach Dean Fabrizio there they they line him up sometimes in the slot and they'll let him jet sweep and things like that so he can certainly be used like that and he has good hands he has a good open field ability so definitely a guy that can do a few different things for you as opposed to you think a you know, when you think of Kevin Harris, you think, okay, this guy's a running back. You know, that's what you think of um, Juju McDowell. You look at him and you think running back, but also more of a utility guy who can do some different things.
1: Yeah, and I'd be curious to see him on some special teams. That's something South Carolina really doesn't have. That just bonafide star returner right now, either. So, if you look, you know, you already have him. Maybe if you add a Quaymon Davis, potentially, he's a guy who would factor into that as well, but but maybe a extra that's maybe not the first you're not sort of worried about return guy as being the um like that that's way down the list if you're South Carolina right now but if if he can do something like that if a Davis can do something like that then that is some added value for you and we know that Shane Beamer based on his history is going to have is going to be somebody that puts a lot of emphasis on special teams um Greg asked, if is Juju committed? Yes, he is. Greg, if you were a Gamecock Central subscriber, you would know that. So there. <laughs> Sorry, man, I had to say that. I know you're against the paywalls. But, Chris, uh, let's close this thing out, man. Any final thoughts on the start of National Signing Day tomorrow?
0: Well, it's, it's an interesting time. Obviously, it's a little different even, you know, when this early signing period came about a couple of cycles ago, we knew it was going to be different. This one's even more so. You know, it's a little smaller than we're accustomed to. It's different with having a coaching change before the early signing period. And there's a couple of things that, frankly, right now we just don't know, you know, that in terms of scheduling with the two guys you mentioned, with Quay Davis and Byron Young. There's a couple of guys out there that it's common to maybe go in and, you don't really know what a guy's going to do, but you at least know maybe when and, and what's going on, and we don't really know that. So it's going to be interesting, but we'll probably get some answers at some point and uh, really excited to continue tracking it on GamecockCentral.com. So come join us, including Greg. Come on, man. Give us a try. I know you're against it. We'll turn. Yeah, in, you,
1: I mean, you have free access till January 29th if you want, yeah. but um, we're going to make our next promo code Greg. So anyway, no uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. So um I wonder, Chris, if the information on when these guys are signing is being is a little bit harder to get because of the virtual aspect of everything right now. Like a lot of times the schools themselves would be having these big ceremonies. Yeah. And so if it was going into signing day, you you know Well, the school has has having a ceremony at 9 a.m. So then you knew anybody that went to that school was going to sort of hopefully have a decision by then.
0: Yeah,
1: I think right now a lot of things are virtual. I've seen a lot of people are having like private ceremonies or it's like friends and very close family as opposed to having a gym full like you normally would have and and a real like in-person invite the media type type deal. So I, I think it's a little bit less structured this year, but mm-hmm. because of that. And that's made it a little bit more difficult to figure out. And then, like we said, man, some of these guys are just in a, you, you envy their position as far as their opportunity, as far as being able to play major college football, but you don't envy the decision they're having to make and the circumstance that they're having to make. So it'll be an interesting day. We will, at some point, be going live on Wednesday. But until then, come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. We have a a very strong insider report up that you can go read right now. And then we'll have uh, plenty to go, um, maybe even later on the night, but certainly Wednesday throughout the day, National Signing Day, Early Signing Day for the Class of 2021. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you all soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.